ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so today then we're on the ninth nullifier and then we're going to cover the tenth one as well to round off and complete this book insha'Allah. The nullifier number nine, man i'taqada anna ba'da nas yasa'uhu al-khuruju an shari'ati Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The ninth nullifier of Islam is regarding a person who believes that it is permissible for them to go outside of what the Qur'an and the Sunnah says, to go outside of the Sharia of Allah. Somebody who believes that they can go out from the Sharia of Allah, they don't have to do all of those things, then that is kufr. Here the explanation of that will come, قال المصنف رحمه الله التاسع من اعتقد أن بعض الناس يسعه الخروج عن شريعة محمد كما وسع الخضر الخروج عن شريعة موسى فهو كافر لقوله تعالى ومن يبتغي غير الإسلام دينا فلن يقبل منه وهو في الآخرة من الخاسرين a person who believes that some people are allowed to go out of the Sharia. They don't have to follow it all. Somebody who believes that this is possible, you don't have to follow the Sharia or all of the Sharia of Muhammad wasallam. that you can go out of it and miss parts of it and it doesn't apply to you and you have freedom. That type of belief, then it is kufr. Because Allah said in the Qur'an, وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِي غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَلَنْ يُقْبَلَ مِنْهُ Whoever seeks a religion other than Islam, then it will never be accepted from him. وَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ And he will be from the losers in the hereafter. So certainly that is one of the fundamentals and the basics. This sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it is applicable in every age, in every time, in every place, to everyone. Nobody can say, I am excluded and I can do this and I can do that. So here, there's a few things we need to take note of. Point number one is, when the previous prophets and messengers used to come, when Allah sent the previous prophets and messengers, they used to be sent to who? Who did the previous prophets and messengers used to be sent to? To their nation, to their ummah, to their people. But Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he was sent, he wasn't sent to just the Quraysh. He wasn't sent to just the Arabs. 
He wasn't sent to just the, the Arabian Peninsula. He was sent to all of mankind. The final revelation, this final sharia, it is something that is applicable to all of mankind. That is the first important point to note. فَلَا يَجُوزُ لِأَحَدٍ أَنْ يَعْتَقِدَ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِعُوثٌ لِأُنَاسٍ دُونَ أُنَاسٍ So it is impermissible for anybody to believe that the Prophet وسلم, was only sent to particular people. It is haram, impermissible and wrong for anybody to believe that Muhammad وسلم, was only sent for Quraysh. Or that he was only sent for the people of Mecca and Medina. Or that he was only sent for the Arabs. Wrong. That is an impermissible belief. The Prophet وسلم, was not sent to any particular people. He was sent to all of mankind. So whoever believes that he was only sent to the Quraysh, and we are not from them, so we don't have to practice Islam, kufr. He was sent, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to all of mankind. فَمَنِ اعْتَقَدَ خِلَافَ هَذَا فَقَدْ كَفَرْ لِأَنَّهُ خِلَافَ مَا أَخْبَرَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى مِنْ أَنَّهُ أَرْسَلَهُ لِلنَّاسِ كَافَةً وَأَنَّ رِسَالَتَهُ صلى الله عليه وسلم يَجِبُ اتِّبَاعُهَا عَلَى كُلِّ أَحَدٍ Allah has told us in the Qur'an that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has been sent to all of the people and that his final message, that final revelation is something all of us now have to practice. Imagine, one proof on top. Isa alayhi salam, is he a prophet and messenger himself? Absolutely. Isa alayhi salam is a messenger himself. In fact, Isa alayhi salam isn't just a messenger, he is one of the top five messengers. Muhammad ﷺ, Ibrahim ﷺ, Musa ﷺ, Nuh ﷺ, Isa ﷺ. From the five top messengers. He was given revelation or not? He was given revelation. He was given the Injil. He was given revelation. He was given the Injil. He had that at the time and he ruled upon that. But when Isa ﷺ comes back at the end of time... Before the day of judgment, when he returns and he rules upon the people, is he going to rule by the Injil that he was given then? Or is he going to rule by the Quran and the Sunnah now? The Sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, proving to you that this legislation, as one of the proofs, it is for everyone, all of us, all of the nations, all of the world, even a messenger who was given his own revelation, when he comes, still has to rule by this revelation. There's another example, who can think of another example like that, of another messenger. There is a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith, the meaning of which is, if Musa ﷺ was alive now, the Prophet ﷺ was saying at his time, if Musa alayhi salam was alive now, he would have to be under the 
this Sharia, not the Torah. So every prophet and messenger, everything now, from this final revelation, you can't follow anything else. It is Quran and Sunnah applicable to everyone. And that's why Allah says, وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِ غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَلَنْ يُقْبَلَ Whoever tries to find some other religion besides Islam, then it will never be accepted from him. And they will be, وَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ That type of person, those people will be in the losers, the people of the hellfire in the hereafter. And there is proof, what is the proof in the Qur'an? That this sharia of Muhammad ﷺ is applicable to every person now. In the Qur'an Allah tells us, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا كَافَةً لِلنَّاسِ بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ That we have not sent you except إِلَّا كَافَةً لِلنَّاسِ To all of the people. We haven't sent you except to all of the people. That we didn't send you just to this people or those people, to Arabs or Quraysh. We sent you to all of the people as a bringer of glad tidings to people. And as a warner against the people, telling them about the hellfire, etc. In another ayah, very clear proof again. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا Clear as you can get. Allah says in the Qur'an, Say, O Muhammad, قُلْ Say, O Muhammad, tell them, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ O people, إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا Indeed, I am the messenger of Allah to all of you. Jami'an in Arabic meaning everyone. Not just Quraysh, not just Arab, not just the Arabian Peninsula. The whole of mankind, the jinn and the humans. The jinn, exactly the same sharia is applicable to them. The jinn, there are Muslims in the jinn, there are kuffar in the jinn. There are Shia in the jinn. There are khawarij in the jinn. This is true. There is a narration... One of the Salaf, I think it was Ibn Uyayna, one of the Salaf, he was giving a lesson. Ana, and he was talking about the different sects, the Rafida, the Shia, the, Khari, the Khawarij, all of these different sects and groups. And he was telling them about the true methodology of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, etc. At the end of the class, at the end of the class, it's mentioned in his biography, you can read it. A jinn came up to him, a jinni. And he said to Sufyan ibn Uyayna, I think it was, one of the salaf, he said, you know all of the things you told us in your class today, about these different groups you have, and the Rafidah, and the, and the Khawarij, and everything. He said, us, the jinn, we have exactly the same problems. We have the Rafidah, Shia, and the Khawarij, and these people. He said, we have the same problems as you humans. So the jinn, they have the same sharia. In hajj time, when the, the humans, the believers, go and do hajj, who else is doing hajj at the same time? The jinn. 
Because the Hajj is only once a year at the fixed time. It's not like the jinn have a different calendar. The jinn the same time. The jinn do Hajj, the Muslim jinn. And so this is something known. The jinn, there are believers, Muslims, mu'minun, there are kuffar, exactly the same. They must follow the sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also. And there's many stories, if you start talking about the stories of the jinn, we'll be here all night. There is one example, true story again. There was a group of brothers, maybe I mentioned this one once before. There was a group of brothers, they went out like camping or something. Somewhere in, uh, maybe in Saudi Arabia or one of those places. They went out camping or they went out to some lake somewhere far away. Camping, that kind of thing. One of the guys from the group uh, got lost a little bit. Went to find something, whatever, lost his group where they've gone. And then it came to Maghrib time. And this one guy was still lost. He couldn't find his group where they were camped up. So he was by himself and Maghrib time came. It started getting dark. So he decided, okay, let me just pray Maghrib, then I'll carry on looking, trying to find where my camp is, where the group is. So Maghrib time came, he said, he started praying. He made wudu at the lake or whatever, started praying by himself. Starts, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Maghrib, so he's breathing loud. Gets to Walad Dalin, and he's by himself praying. Walad Dalin, Ameen, and from behind he hears, Ameen, a group of people. Group of sounds, Ameen. So he obviously in the story, he says afterwards, he got extremely scared. He thought, what's going on? He knew his group wasn't here. They were lost somewhere. He couldn't find them yet. By himself, nobody here. And he says, He's praying by himself. Amin. In the story, what happened? He was out in the forest, in the jungle. It was Maghrib time. Some jinn Muslims, they saw him praying. Let's do jama'ah. <laughs> they prayed with him. And at the end, Amin behind him. True story. So the jinn, they pray. They are Muslim, mu'min, believers, kuffar, some of them. The same as the humans like that. This message of the Prophet ﷺ, it is to all of mankind, the jinn and the humans. Then, it is mentioned in another narration of Abu Hurairah, that the Prophet ﷺ said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسُ مُحَمَّدٍ بِيَدِهِ The Prophet ﷺ takes an oath by Allah, that by the one whom my soul is in his hand, لا يسمع بي أحد من هذه الأمة. The Prophet ﷺ said, I take an oath by Allah that nobody who hears about me, Yahudiyun ولا Nasraniyun, whether it is a Jew or a Christian, whoever, ثم يموت ولم يؤمن بالذي أرسلت به إلا كان من أصحاب النار. Anybody who hears about me, hears about the Sharia, hears about this religion of Islam, Jew, Christian, whoever that message gets to. Anybody who this message gets to and they don't believe, they don't accept Islam and Iman, then the hadith says in the hereafter, they will be from the people of the fire. Meaning there is only one religion, Al-Islam. Nobody can come now and say, but I am staying on the religion of Musa alayhi salam. I am on the Torah still. You can't. Nobody can say, but the Injil is revelation too. Yes, it is. Nobody can say, okay, I'm going to stay on the Injil. I'm going to be like that and believe these other things. Haram now. Once the final revelation has come, then that is the only one that is applicable to follow.
So this is the ninth one that's being mentioned here. That nobody can believe anyone has any right to excuse themselves from the Sharia. To say that I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. Like we said last week, some of the people of misguidance, some of the people who have been led astray by the shaitan to that level, some of these big so-called imams of some of these groups, they get to such a level they say they don't have to pray anymore. Some of these groups of the Sufis, they get to such a big level they say that imam doesn't have to pray anymore. He's reached the pinnacle. He's reached the peak. He is from the awliya of Allah. From the close awliya of Allah, he doesn't have to pray anymore. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq didn't get to that level. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiyallahu anhu, never made it to that level. Did he make it to that level? He carried on praying till he died. In fact, before that, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, did he get to that level, he stopped praying? So the Prophet sallallahu didn't get to that level where you can stop praying because it doesn't exist. Abu Bakr didn't get to that level. Umar ibn al-Khattab. Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiyallahu anhu, how did he die? How? He was stabbed when he was praying. When he was stabbed, by who? Abu Lu'lu'a. When he stabbed him, it's mentioned in the biography of Umar ibn al-Khattab, the stab wounds, he was praying and he was stabbed. They were so severe, some of them were in his like, uh, the intestine area, the stomach area. They say he used to drink milk, and it used to come out from the stab wounds. But the next day after he got stabbed, he didn't die straight away. So from the wounds he died eventually soon afterwards. But the next day after he'd been stabbed, Fajr time came. Somebody went to wake him up. And imagine now how much injury this is. Stabbed everywhere to that much. It says in the biography he drunk something and you could see some of it coming out from the intestines and things. Stabbed that much. Next day somebody went to him at Fajr time to wake him up. He said, when they, to wake him up for Fajr, he said, absolutely, yes, yes. Meaning, absolutely, I'm getting up, I'm going to pray. Absolutely, I'm going to get up and pray. And then he said, because indeed, the one who has no prayer, has no share of Islam. Meaning, if you don't pray, you're kafir. The one who doesn't pray, has no share of Islam. You have nothing about Islam if you don't pray. In that state, when they went to wake him up the next day, he said, yes, yes, getting up to pray. And then he made these words, he said these words. He said, absolutely, getting up, getting up. Because indeed, the one who doesn't have prayer, has no share left of Islam in him. And he went to pray like that. So, these people, some of them, they have gone into misguidance, believing that they are no longer uh, uh, held by the laws of the Sharia. We give that other example, everybody knows. Some of these other uh, uh, so-called big imams of theirs. The one who said that the angels came to me and they said to me that we are not writing your deeds anymore. You are now from the awliya of Allah at such a level. The angels that write down your deeds, they said, he claims, lying of course. He says, they came and told me, we're not writing down your deeds anymore, you're free now. You've reached such a level, you can do what you want now. Rest of your life, do what you want, swear, anything. We're not writing nothing for you anymore. So this is the, the misguidance the shaitan puts into people. Because when we study this now, we study this now, you might think, well, who's going to be stupid enough to say that I don't have to follow the Qur'an and the Sunnah, or this isn't applicable to me, that's not applicable to me. 
Who's going to be silly enough to say that? You might think. Why is this even a principle we need to study? That the Qur'an and the Sunnah has to apply to everyone, nobody's excused. You might think that's obvious. But then if you think it's obvious, you need to know there are groups of people out there, some of these sects out there, they believe that imams don't have to pray. They believe that imams, the angels aren't writing their deeds anymore. This exists. Hence the scholars, they mention these things. So you become aware. I mean, some of these stories about how they believe their awliya and their, their big imams are, you know, they write in their books about their big awliya imams. Stories in some of these Sufi books and things. In their books. In their own books written by them. In one of them it mentions that there was a big wali from the awliya of Allah. And there are names mentioned, I don't recall the exact ones, but some of them, uh, the point of the story is what happens. They say there was this big imam giving a lesson. Big Sufi imam or whatever imam. Some of them say, they say it was Abdul Qadir al-Jailani. That's the name they try and put on it. Uh, yeah, it's not really applicable. Abdul Qadir al-Jailani was good. But, they say there was some big imam. And he was teaching a class. In the middle of the class, one of the students died. In the middle of the class, this big imam from the awliya of Allah is teaching a class. And one of the students dies. The angel of death comes and takes his soul. They say the, this big imam, when he noticed one of the students has died in his class, he flew up after the angel of death. Caught up with the angel of death who had a sack with all of the souls that he had gathered from the people who died. And he says to the angel of death, what are you doing? I'm teaching my class. What, what is this? Return his soul, let me finish the class. Return his soul, let me finish the class. These are stories in their books. When you see this level of misguidance, you wouldn't believe it unless you read it in the books themselves. In their books themselves, they say that imams go to paradise at night and they walk around in paradise. And then in the morning, Allah sends them back here and they come and teach people and everything. At night, they go to paradise and walk in the gardens of paradise. All types of things. That's why it is so important to learn this aqidah, to learn these principles of the religion in detail. It is no wonder that the Prophet ﷺ said, سَتَفْتَرِقُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ عَلَى ثَلَاثٍ وَسَبْعِينَ فِرْقَةٍ كُلُّهَا فِي النَّارِ إِلَّا وَاحِدَةٍ This ummah will split up into 73 sects. All of them in the fire except one. All of these sects and groups and deviations and beliefs that they have, it occurs. The Rafida, the Shia, the this group, that group, it occurs. The Prophet ﷺ said it was going to occur. Deviations were going to happen. So it is important to learn what the one straight pathway is. What is that one methodology of the <laughs> Prophet ﷺ? And that will become clear to you the more you learn the principles the more you see how clear it is the way of the Salaf. Taking the texts, the Qur'an, the Sunnah, understanding them simply, it becomes very easy and clear. So here now, the first thing we've learned is, that nobody is excused from the Sharia of the Prophet ﷺ. That is the ninth nullifier and there are a few details you can mention under this particular nullifier of Islam. 
One of them is إِنَّ هَذِهِ الشَّرَائِعِ الَّتِي جَاءَ بِهَا الرَّسُولِ صلى الله عليه وسلم هي علم الظاهر الذي يجب على عموم الناس أن يعلموه أَمَّا عِلْمَ الْبَاطِنِ فَهَذَا لَا يَكُنُ إِلَّا لِلْخَاصَّةِ This is the other thing. So now there are some people out there from the groups and this exists. They say that yes, Quran, Sunnah, generally what's there, that is what we follow. What's in the Quran, what's in the Sunnah, what is there, generally we follow. The ayat, the commands, halal, haram, no problem. The general people, they must follow that. Then they have a belief, some of these groups and sects, that there are hidden meanings. The ilmul batin. There are hidden meanings that only the great awliya understand these hidden meanings inside. The Quran, you have the page and you have the ayat, one line after the next. Clear, everybody follow that. In between the lines, there are hidden meanings and hidden things that you people can't understand. Miskeen. Only the big awliya understand those hidden things. So what are these hidden things? All imaginations and dreams and things that they make up. But then they can tell their people, we know the hidden meanings because we are from the awliya of Allah. So the general meanings, yes, they say this, that, the other. But then on top of that, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do that, because that is from the hidden meanings that we know about and you don't. And that is nonsense. The Qur'an and the sunnah did not come with hidden meanings. The Qur'an and the sunnah came as a guidance to all of mankind. But that is the way of some of these sects. They even say in their books, you should behave with your shaykh. Like what? They say, you know when a, when a person has died. A person has died and he's on the table and the people are doing the washing of the body. And then you're going to wrap the body. The body, what does it do? Nothing. If you pick up the arm to wash it, the arm lifts up. If you move it this way, it moves that way. The body just does what the people... Due to it, the soul is gone. The body doesn't do anything now. Body just does what the people are doing to it. People pour the water here on it. The water goes there. People move the arm. The arm moves. People turn it around this way. They put the shroud on. Body can't do anything. Body just lets the people do what they're going to do now. Body is nothing now. They say in their books, some of the Sufis, etc. You should behave with your shaykh like the deceased body. You behave with your shaykh like the deceased body. If your sheikh says to you, jump, don't say, but why sheikh, just jump. Sheikh says to you, lie down on the floor, don't question your sheikh, how dare you. You do what he says. This is how they believe. These are the types of things, this is not a joke, this is real. This is how some of it is. This is how their, their ideas are. The great sheikh and the great maulana and everything else. Our religion didn't come like this. Our religion isn't this type of blind following and big maulana and he goes to paradise at night and he tells us what to do. We listen to what is in the Quran, what is in the sunnah that has been left and taught to the people and spread one generation after the next. And it is something Allah will preserve up until the day of judgment. لا تزال طائفة من أمتي ظاهرين على الحق The Prophet said, there will always be a group, there will always be from the people, from the ummah, those who remain upon the truth up until the day of judgment, the truth will never be lost. It will never happen that the truth is lost. That truth continues and the understanding continues, the Qur'an, the sunnah, the principles, up until the day of judgment. So here now, 
This sharia, it is applicable to all of us, and nobody is excused or allowed to exit from it. There are some narrations where the Prophet ﷺ has informed us of the threat upon people who think they can excuse themselves from the sharia. There is one famous hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, كُلُّ أُمَّتِي يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ إِلَّا مَنْ أَبَى All of my ummah will enter paradise except those who refuse. Except those who refuse. قَالُوا وَمَنْ يَأْبَى يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ They said, but who will refuse, O Messenger of Allah? قَالْ مَنْ أَطَاعَنِي دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَنْ عَصَانِي دَخَلَ النَّارِ he said, whoever follows me, meaning sticks to the sharia, follows me, obeys me, obeys the Qur'an and sunnah, he will enter paradise. But whoever refuses to do that, thinks that he doesn't have to follow the Qur'an and sunnah, thinks he's excused, outside, doesn't bother, negligent, then they are the people who are refusing paradise. If you are refusing to follow the sunnah, then you are refusing to go to paradise. You are refusing to follow the halal and the haram, then you're the one who's refusing to go to paradise yourself. You want to go to paradise, then stop. Stop your haram and follow the halal and the sunnah. If you're not going to follow the sunnah, you're not going to follow the Qur'an, then you're the one who's preventing yourself from going to paradise. So the Prophet ﷺ said, all of my ummah will go to paradise, except for those who refuse. The companions, they said, but who would refuse? He told them that people who don't follow the Qur'an and Sunnah, they don't care, they themselves are refusing to enter paradise then. If you want to go, you don't want to refuse, then follow the Qur'an and Sunnah. So that is something very clear mentioned uh, in the narrations also. <coughs> Another point to mention here is the source of knowledge. Because when we talk about this principle... That it is not allowed for anyone to exit from the sharia. Nobody is excused from it. How are you going to make sure you stay within it then? You have to make sure you're learning it from the correct sources. The source of knowledge is of course, Quran, Sunnah, and then the understanding of the early generations, the Salaf of this Ummah. Nobody can dispute that. Anybody who comes along and says, our source of knowledge is not that, is not the Qur'an and Sunnah with the Salaf. Who are the Salaf? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, Umar, Uthman, Ali, radiyallahu anhum, those great companions who learnt this religion directly from the Prophet ﷺ. So when we get stuck on something on the Qur'an or the Sunnah, we don't understand what it means, where do we check? Check, what did Abu Bakr do about this? What did he say about this ayah? What did he used to do? What did Umar used to do with this? What did Uthman, Ali radiallahu anhum, what did they used to do with this issue? We see what they used to do, then we'll understand what it means. Because they understood what it means directly from Prophet So if you get stuck in an ayah, you get stuck in a hadith, you don't understand what is the correct thing to do, look at the salaf. What did the companions used to do? Because what they used to do, then that is a guidance for you that this is the meaning of what to do. Because they learned what to do from the Prophet ﷺ. On top of that, what the companions used to do at that time when the Prophet was alive, if they were making mistakes, what used to happen? 
Revelation used to come down to the Prophet ﷺ to correct things. So that means when they did things and the Prophet ﷺ allowed it, it means what they were doing was correct. That is the source of knowledge. Quran, Sunnah and the understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah. Anybody who wants to go somewhere else, they say no, our, uh, it's all about, like they say the Hanafis, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. No problem. Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, a great Imam. But then you say to them, okay, your source of knowledge, it is what Al-Imam Abu Hanifa explained. That's the source of knowledge. So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, what was he? Was he Maliki, Shafi'i, Hanbali or Hanafi? Abu Bakr, which one was he? Was he Maliki, Shafi'i, Hanbali or Hanafi? Which one was he? Which one? So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq wasn't any of those. Umar then, which one was Umar? Was he Maliki, Shafi'i, Hanbali, Hanafi? Which one was he? None of it. Any of the Sahaba. What were any of them? So now you understand why we don't say that your religion is just Hanbali or Maliki or Shafi'i or Hanafi. It's not like that. Rather, all of the four Imams, what did they used to say? Al-Imam Ahmad said it. Al-Imam Malik, Al-Imam Shafi'i, Al-Imam Hanifa. All of them said one thing which was exactly the same. They said, any time if you find some hadith or some ruling about the religion, which goes against the conclusion I made, if you ever find something, some hadith or something, which goes against what I thought and what I said, then which one do you do? They said, forget what I said, follow what you found in the evidence. All of them said that. All four of them, they made the same statement. All of them said, if you ever find something in the sunnah, which goes against what I've said, then forget what I said, follow the sunnah. Imam Shafi'i even said, if that ever happens, if you ever find a statement from me saying do this or that, the Islamic ruling is this or that, but then you find a hadith which goes against what I said, he said, take what I said and throw it against the wall. Get rid of it. Imam Shafi'i said, if you find something in the sunnah contradicting, going against what I said, take what I said and throw it on the wall, get rid of it. So now this blind following, it is not the religion. Yes, no problem when you are learning. Maybe you want to learn to make it easier. You stick to maybe one imam at the beginning a little bit. Maybe, that's okay. You stick to maybe al-imam Ahmad just to learn and get things easier because it could be confusing. It might get confusing if you're looking at all of the imams and the different things. You could get a bit confused. Maybe at the beginning for a while you could stick a little bit to one imam just to get going. Once you get going and you get understanding, then it's not a case of blindly whatever Imam Ahmad said, that's what we're going to do. Was Imam Ahmad right in every single thing? Great Imam! But was he right in every single thing? No, none of us are. Nobody is. That's why Al-Imam Malik said, every single human, he can say things that are right, and he can say things that are wrong, except the person in this grave. Which grave was he pointing at? The Prophet because Imam Malik used to teach in Medina, in the Prophet's mosque. He was there teaching one day and he said, Everybody you can take from them and you may have something to reject, they may make a mistake in things, except the one who is in this grave. Muhammad wasallam. Besides that, there is no blind following. No blind following. We take from the Imams, Al-Imam Ahmad, Al-Imam Shafi'i, Al-Imam Malik, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, all great imams. But we're not going to blind follow anything. 
You don't blind follow anything except the Qur'an, the Sunnah, and the understanding of the Salaf upon it. So that is the ninth nullify here that we need to understand very clearly, that it does not, it is not permissible for anybody to claim that they have leniency to excuse themselves from Qur'an, Sunnah, from following the methodology. You cannot. You are bound by that revelation. That is what you are going to be held accountable upon. That is what your, your accountability on the day of judgment is going to be upon. How you followed this Qur'an and Sunnah. That's why Allah says in the Qur'an, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا Allah created death and life, all of this for what? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ To test you, أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا which of you is going to be the best in actions and deeds? What does it mean best in actions and deeds? Here's an example now. What does it mean best in actions and deeds? We can check what it means by looking at what the Salaf said. And what did the Salaf say? They explained the best actions and deeds are the person who does his actions and worship in accordance to the Sunnah. That's what the Salaf said. So now we know that's what it means. You go to the Salaf. What did the Salaf used to say? Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, the companions, the Sahaba, the Tabi'een, those people who were there with the Prophet ﷺ, they learned from him, or the students who learned from the Sahaba, are they the ones who have knowledge, or is it your Imam sitting in the mosque in Leeds? It is the ones, the Salaf, that's where we take the knowledge from. So that is the source. Then moving on to principle number 10, or the nullifier number 10, which is slightly similar to number 9, Al-I'rad an dinillah Turning away from the religion of Allah Turning your back on the religion of Allah In the previous one it was more like a person saying I am legitimately excused from this, that, the other I don't have to follow it Kufr You are not excused You are under the laws of the Sharia Here now it could be a case of somebody Maybe accepting, maybe not But he's turning his back on the religion Somebody who turns their back on the religion And it's going to be explained here how can end up in kufr. So, Al-Ashir, Al-I'radu an deenillah, la yata'allamuhu wa la ya'amalu bih. A person who doesn't bother to learn about Islam at all, doesn't act upon it or practice it at all, then that individual could be ending up in kufr. Doesn't care about Islam, doesn't learn a thing, doesn't practice a thing, no prayer, no zakat, no fasting, no nothing. Then that person is Muslim. It could end up into kufr for this person. And that's why Allah says in the Quran, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ ذُكِّرَ بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِ ثُمَّ أَعْرَضَ عَنْهَا إِنَّا مِنَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ مُنْتَقِمُونَ Who Allah says, Who is more wrong, more oppressive, than a person who is reminded of the ayat of Allah, yet he turns his back on them. Shuns away from them. أَعْرَضَ عَنْهَا إِنَّا مِنَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ مُنْتَقِمُونَ Indeed, we will uh, to, to take revenge upon those wrongdoers, meaning that they will be punished. So the one who shuns away and turns away, turns his back on the religion, his back on the Qur'an and the Sunnah and Hadith and prayers, turns his back on the religion then. Where are you heading? You are heading into kufr. And this can be different types. A person turning his back on the religion or shunning the religion is different types. Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim mentioned one of those types can be of arrogance. 
arrogance and haughtiness. So you could say, for example, who? Arrogance and haughtiness and rejecting the religion. Pharaoh, you could give us an example. Pharaoh had a great arrogance. Said to them, Ana a'la. He said to them, I am your Lord the Most High. He said to Musa, don't tell them about any other God. I am the God. Arrogance and haughtiness. That is one type of kufr you could mention. Kufr, shak is another one which is very important. Kufr, in fact, before we move on to that one, another one of arrogance, a clear example. Before that. Iblis. Allah said to Iblis, when Allah created Adam salam with his own two hands, as it mentions in the Qur'an, then Allah said to the angels, and Iblis wasn't an angel, but he used to be with the angels. He's a jinn, but he used to be with the angels. And Allah said to all of them, prostrate. They all prostrated except, Sajadu illa Iblis. Except Iblis. From arrogance, thinking that he is better than Adam. Allah says in the Quran what Iblis said. Iblis said, why should I prostrate to the one you created from? Clay. And you created me from? Fire. Arrogance. Kufr. So that is one type there. Another very important type is the kufr of shak. And this is very important. Doubt. Anybody who has any doubt, is there really going to be a day of judgment? Is there really going to be a resurrection afterwards? Are we really going to be raised up? Are we really going to be held accountable before Allah? Are we really going to go into a paradise, a hellfire? Do these things really exist? Or is it like the atheists and everything? It's just this world and that's it. Anybody who starts going into doubts like that, the shaitan, his whispers, they start overcoming you like that, you're heading down the road which may end up in kufr. Doubt in the religion, you doubt that there's a resurrection, you doubt that there is punishment of the grave, blessings of the grave, paradise, hell. How can you doubt that? It is the words of Allah in the Qur'an. So having doubts in the religion is something you must crush. How do you crush that? A person may say, but these thoughts, they come to me. Sometimes maybe I get that thought and this and that. How do you crush it? You crush it by increasing your iman. How are you going to increase your iman? By the primary method. What is the primary method? Seeking knowledge. Seeking knowledge of the religion. The more you learn about the Qur'an, and what Allah is telling you, the more your iman increases, the less the whisperings. The more you learn about the sunnah, the hadith, the more you come to gatherings of knowledge, the more you become educated about what the Prophet ﷺ told us, about what this revelation is, what's in the Qur'an, what's in the sunnah, the more your iman increases, and the more those whispers disappear. So anybody who has any of this type of feeling, then it's upon you to strive with knowledge. Come and learn about the Qur'an, learn about the sunnah, learn about Allah. The more you do, the more your iman increases, and the more you crush any type of whispers of the shaitan. So, that is an important type to understand the doubts a person has in his religion, because that can end up as a type of shunning the religion then. Doubts end up in you so much that you then start to think, is it really any point me doing this or that, or prayer or this and that? When those types of doubts come and it causes you to abandon aspects of the religion and shun away from the religion, you're ending up going down into the path of kufr. So this is another very important thing that can nullify a person's Islam. Doubts to such a degree that he falls into kufr. 
or shunning away with arrogance and haughtiness that he falls into kufr. Or it can just be absolute rejection. A person rejects the prayer, rejects the Qur'an, rejects this, rejects that. Kufr then, rejection of the religion. So that is also important to note. The final thing in the conclusion here, لا فرق في جميع هذه النواقض بين الهازل والجاد والخائف إلا المكره All of these that we've mentioned, these ten nullifiers, none of them can be excused by you saying that I was only joking or messing or I didn't mean it. We discussed that, especially one of them. But all of them. If you do any of these ten, and you know what you're doing, but then you say, I was just messing, I was just messing. You will not be excused with that. That's how severe these things are. Somebody like magic we were talking about the other day. Somebody says, I'm going to go check out a show. I know it's all wrong and everything. There's a show happening in, in Leeds. I'm going to go get a ticket. I'm going to sit at the back. I just want to have a quick look and see what's going on. I know it's all wrong. Just a quick look and I'm going to leave. Just to see what's going on. What's he doing? How's he doing it? Haram. And you're falling into a nullifier which may end up in kufr. You can't do that type of thing. You can't say, but only this and only that. And I'm just checking it out and blah, blah, blah. These things are nullifiers of Islam. You must avoid destroying sins, destroy your religion, your iman. So a person needs to protect himself. So no excuse like that is given. The only excuse is for who? If somebody is forced, like we talked about a while back, somebody comes and starts shooting you. They shoot you in the leg, they shoot you in the other leg, they shoot you in the arm. They say the next one's going into your head and your heart. Unless you say something which is kufr, some words of kufr. Say it. Say these words of kufr. Otherwise the next bullet is going into your heart and your head. He's already shot you three times in the other body parts. So now you're pretty certain he's gonna shoot you in the heart and the head if you don't do it. So now you could do that under pressure and you in your heart don't mean it. You don't mean it at all. You're only doing it there under absolute pressure because it's either you do it or you die. In that situation, Islam says you're allowed to just say it even though you don't mean it at all. Your iman is firm in your heart. You just say it for the sake of saving your life. That's allowed. That's the only exception. Anything else anybody says, I was messing, I was joking, I was this, I was that. It is not accepted as an excuse. وَكُلُّهَا مِنْ أَعْظَمِ مَا يَكُونُ خَطَرًا Because all of these are from the greatest of dangers upon a person. وَمِنْ أَكْثَرِ مَا يَكُونُ وُقُوعًا And there are so much of this happening. These things that we've talked about, there is so much of it happening. Magic now, for example, how many people they do it? How many people claiming to be Muslims and Muslim Imams and they're doing magic? And they're getting people the good jinn and we're doing good jinn and everything else. And they're doing magic. Haram things that the people they engage in. So it happens so much these things. فَيَنْبَغِي لِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَحْضَرَهَا وَيَخَافَ مِنْهَا عَلَى نَفْسِهِ so a person needs to make sure that he's scared of these and fearful of these things and keeps himself well away and safe from those things that could lead to kufr upon you. نَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ مُجِبَاتِ غَضَبِهِ وَأَلِيمِ عِقَابِهِ And the shaykh, he concludes the book by saying, we ask Allah to protect us uh, from that which causes his anger upon us or causes his punishment upon us. That Allah protects us from those things and keeps us safe from it and keeps us upon the Quran and the Sunnah in understanding it, practicing it, learning it, teaching our friends and families about it. That is a person and that is what the accountability will be on the Day of Judgment. Because uh, as Allah said, on that day, 
when your accountability happens, then your accountability is on your head alone. What you did with your life will be your accountability on your head alone. Allah said that on that day, مَنْ وَجَدَ خَيْرًا فَلْيَحْمَدِ اللَّهِ When your accountability happens on that day, if you find that your accountability turns out good, then thank Allah. وَمَنْ وَجَدَ غَيْرَ ذَلِكَ But whoever finds anything other than that, finds badness in his accountability, فَلَا يَلُومَنَّ Allah says, فَلَا يَلُومَنَّ إِلَّا نَفْسَ Then don't blame anyone else other than yourself. Don't say it was my friends and it was this and it was that and I wanted to go and I wanted to attend the classes and I wanted to pray but it was this and it was that. No excuse on that day. Allah says, do not blame anybody else. If you find badness in your deeds on that day, don't blame anybody else except yourself. It is upon you to learn the truth. And you make dua. Make dua constantly that Allah guides you to the truth. Allah opens up your heart to the truth, to understanding the truth, understanding the Qur'an and the sunnah upon the correct way, so that you may live your lives as the Prophet ﷺ did upon the right aqidah, the right practice of the religion. So that is the end of this particular book, The Ten Nullifiers of Islam. Next week then, as you know, we're going to start a book in aqidah, a book in Aqidah which will talk about the fundamental belief a Muslim is supposed to have. Because all of your religion is based upon having that correct belief. Iman. What is the correct Iman to have? What is the correct Aqidah to have? Somebody says to you, who is Allah? Tell me who is Allah. What do you know about Allah? What can you tell me about Allah? What do you know about Allah? What do we know? It's in the Quran, it's in the Sunnah. So we need to learn those things. What has Allah told us about Himself? What are the details that Allah has told us about Himself in the Quran and the Sunnah? Uh, what different names does Allah have? Uh, what are the different things that Allah has told us He does? What are the descriptions given about the paradise heavens? What is the exact aqidah, the fundamental belief we're supposed to have about things? The belief in Allah, the belief in the angels. Who are the angels? What are they? What are their jobs? What do they look like? Do they eat? Do they marry? All these different things, fundamentals of your belief. The, uh, the prophets and the messengers that came, how many were there, what were they, how did Allah select them, what happened, how did the revelation used to come, Jibreel and the angels, did the companions, all these things. Fundamentals of belief, the books that were revealed, what was the Injil, the Bible? What was it exactly? We know it was a book revealed by Allah. The Torah, we know it was a book revealed by Allah. All these books were revealed by Allah. So what is the Muslim's belief regarding the Bible and the Torah? These are fundamentals of the religion, the day of judgment. And what's going to happen on the Day of Judgment and the different things. The belief in Allah, in the names and attributes of Allah as the fundamental of all of that. So that is the core belief every Muslim needs to fix up and make sure that they are believing the correct belief. Because if your belief isn't even correct in your heart, you don't even know what this religion is about, what Iman is, who the angels are that Allah created, what, what were the prophets and messengers, what is the Iman, the six pillars of Iman, what is the five pillars of Islam, and the details of it, who is Allah, and what has Allah told us about Himself. If you don't even know those basics, then how are you worshipping Allah, and how are you doing your ibadah? So this is the core and the fundamental that we need to learn. So next week, we're going to start then, as we said, Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyyah. This is one of the famous books in Aqidah. One of the famous books in Aqidah written by Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, 
Al-Hanafi. And the explanation we're going to use as well is by another great scholar known as Ibn who? Ibn Abil Iz Al-Hanafi as well. So that is the Aqidah book. It's a famous Aqidah book in the University of Medina. In the University of Medina, uh, the International University, Islamic University of Medina. In there, the curriculum, one of the curriculum books is Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyah. The Mashayikh in Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi and other places, they teach Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyah. This is one of the curriculum books. We were taught this book from beginning to end, everything done, all in Arabic taught because the book itself is written in Arabic. So with all due respect, you can't really learn it in Urdu or in other languages. It's written in Arabic. You've got to understand it properly in the words of Arabic. So it was taught in Arabic or written in Arabic. The explanation is written in Arabic. So all of that was done. And it's one of the famous books of Aqidah. Obviously, you know, recently these days, some of our friends here have been a bit upset with us. They've been a bit upset about things and what we teach. Even though, look, we've been here how many years now? Since 2011 or something? 2011, seven years now, teaching these books. We've taught about prophets, prayer, fiqh. We've taught about other books of history. We did some seerah book, I think, the six uh, uh, events from the life of the Prophet ﷺ. We've done other books in principles. We've been sitting here teaching quietly, teaching Quran, Sunnah, Hadith, nothing. We've not done anything untoward. We've not done anything to cause any problem to anyone. You're teaching Quran, Sunnah. Anybody says, I've taught something wrong, then no problem, bring it. Today we've been saying all of this Sharia is applicable to everyone, nobody is allowed outside it. And we've said it's wrong if the imams say they don't have to pray. Anybody wants to come and tell me, no, no, that's okay. No problem, you bring your proof, that's okay. Anything anybody says we're saying wrong, no problem. You bring us the proof that we're saying anything wrong. Otherwise the aqidah will be taught. And tahawiyah especially will do tahawiyah because obviously, they, I mean, some of our brothers, they brought up this issue of tahawiyah. And really it's, when you look at it, it's nothing more than lies that the Salafis don't accept this and they, they don't believe in this aqidah and everything else. We're going to teach that exact aqidah. We're going to teach that exact aqidah. So now, all of the things, whatever they want to say, and there's been messages they're sending around and doing this and that and great victory for Ahlul Sunnah and all these things. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, they had victory, no problem. Victory for them. We're miskeen, we're going to sit here do aqidah tahawiyah. That's, that's what we'll do. No problem. Because the real issue is this week you'll notice it. It's very sad we have to say this. Very sad you have to say this. We've been here seven years not done any problem sitting and teaching no issue. But now it's sad you have to say it. But this week you will notice. There will be messages I'm sure. Because they want to try and stop tahawiyah being taught. That is absolute destruction if we teach tahawiyah. It is going to be massacre. Because everything they are saying to us, you Salafis this, you Salafis that, and you... Tahawiyah is right. You wasatiyah and your aqidah and names and attributes all wrong. So now we're going to teach Tahawiyah because we accept it. I was taught Tahawiyah in my curriculum in Medina University by the Wahhabis as they say. What do they say? Medina, Saudi Arabia, Wahhabi, Wahhabi. Aqidah Tahawiyah they taught us. Exam in Aqidah Tahawiyah. To get into the exam to the university, you have to pass Aqidah Tahawiyah. So now the problem is they know. The ones who are a little bit smart, maybe they know. Now this is going to cause a big problem. Because now it's going to become clear the reality of what the aqidah is, the truth of the aqidah, and what tahawiyah really is, and the names and attributes of Allah, and what they mean and how it works. We're going to explain that from the Hanafi explanation. 
ibn Abil Iz. So now if any issue comes up, then it means they are going to have to say their own Hanafi explanation is wrong. There is no, it is simple. I'm not going to uh, go into fights and arguments and they're going to come and want debate, nothing. We sit here just like seven years we've been sitting here and carry on teaching. Carry on teaching Aqidah Tahawiyah now. If they have any issue with that, that's nothing we can do now. It is Aqidah Tahawiyah, the one that they wanted. It is the explanation of Hanafi, just like they wanted. So now there is no issue. What are you going to complain about now? We're not allowed to teach their Aqidah? Don't they want us to be guided? <laughs> so what is the problem now? No problem, you cannot make any argument. Now if they make argument, there is nothing to argue about. Tahawiyah, they're saying, no problem, Tahawiyah will teach. So now they're going to try and stop it. Tell, uh, it's very sad, but they will try and stop it. Because they know if we teach Tahawiyah, it's going to break down all of these lies. I've saw messages this week, the, the Salafi say Allah is sitting on the throne. Seven years we've been teaching it. Ever said this? Have I ever said this? Allah is sitting on the throne. We taught books of Aqidah. They, they know. When we teach Tahawiyah now, all of these things are going to be exposed as lies. Because we're going to go through Tahawiyah itself. So look, don't get involved in anything. If any messages come to you, this, that, debates and nothing. Don't reply to anything. Don't get involved in anything. For seven years we've been quietly coming here studying and that's what we're going to carry on doing. Nothing else. No fights, no debates, no outside big gang, nothing. Don't get involved in anything. If they say anything to you, just don't reply to nothing. Say, look, we're here, we're studying, we have no problem. Look at the size of the mosque they have. Who are we here? How many people sat here now? For seven years, there's been five, ten, twenty of us sat here. Look at the size of the mosque they have, and yet they're scared of the da'wah that we're giving here. What is their problem with the da'wah that we're giving here? Because they know. If we teach the Hawiyah, we start explaining properly from the texts, the Qur'an, the hadith. Not just what they've learned, blind following the imam taught them, the imam taught them, go to bury and whatever curriculum, this is how it is, that's it. Here we're going to look at the imams, the scholars, the Hanafi explanations. And when that happens, they know they are not going to be able to say anything anymore. They will not be able to say anything to us anymore. Everything will be refuted on them. All of these lies that they make up, the Salafi say this, they say Allah is on the throne and everything else. Everything, sitting on the throne. All of these things will be refuted and clarified. The true aqidah mentioned... So look, the advice is, don't get involved in anything. If they are sending messages and they're saying this and they're saying that, great victory, alhamdulillah, good for them. Got victory, so leave us alone now. We're going to study Aqidah Tahawiyah, leave us alone, let us study. But they know the reality is, the reality is, they want to try and stop it. They want to stop it. They do not want Tahawiyah to be taught by us. Why? Allah I'm not stopping them teaching Tahawiyah, they can do it. They've got a massive mosque, two, how many, two, three thousand people in there? Twenty of us sat here. We don't have any issue, we're not worried about anything Because at the end, in the end The religion of truth, it prevails We don't have to worry about that Allah guides the people, opens up the hearts of the people Allah opens up the hearts of the people Gives guidance to people to understanding the true way The path, the methodology I don't have to worry about if they got 5,000 people in there And they're teaching them whatever they're teaching them We teach the aqidah, we learn, we study Whoever Allah gives guidance to, alhamdulillah That Allah guides the people to the truth Anything else, it's not my problem. I'm not going to go there and debate and do this and do that and whatever else. So ignore any messages, anything else. Ignore whatever's going on. If they're trying to provoke and they're saying, oh, this happened and that happened and we've done this and we've done that. Good for you then. Good. Alhamdulillah, you've done it all. You're not going to stop us teaching the Hawiyah. Where our response to anything that occurs from now on, any, uh, they come here, they send messages around, anything, our response now is very simply, Nothing to them, we are teaching Tahawiyah. Say, look, we are studying. Al-Aqidah al-Tahawiyah, do you agree with Tahawiyah? What are they going to say? 
<laughs> yes. Say, okay, so leave it there, brother. Jazakallah khair. We're learning the Tahawi Aqidah, what you wanted. Now leave us alone, we're just going to carry on. None of your messages, text, victory, this, that, whatever you want. Don't get engaged, don't get worried, don't pass these messages around. Focus on the religion. People like this, they cause commotion. This isn't our religion. This isn't the mannerisms of Islam and the mannerisms of studying. One who wants to be sincere to Allah, knows that he needs to practice his religion and be upon worship and ibadah, forget about these arguments and debates and fights. That isn't the way of the Salaf. We're going to sit here calmly as we've done for seven years, slowly read the book, understand it, what the aqidah is, end of story, that is it. So don't get involved in messages and forwarding and get worried, they're saying this and they're saying that, makes no difference at all. Don't think this is something new. In Leeds, this is the first time it's happening to the brothers now. So everybody's getting concerned and they sent this message and that message. This has been happening for centuries and it's been happening everywhere in all the other cities. I've been teaching now since I came back for eight years now in all of these cities, in Sheffield and Leeds and Bradford and uh, Liverpool, Manchester, everywhere. These things are nothing new. Everybody's going to come and fight against you because they believe whatever they believe. Don't get worried about that. Don't get concerned about that. Don't get involved in that. You want to learn your religion because you're going to be held accountable on the Day of Judgment. So inshallah ta'ala, ignore all of that, ignore the messages, ignore whatever. No engagement, we just come quietly, sit and learn and that's it. Just like we've been doing for seven years. So we'll leave it at that, then we'll carry on next week with Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah. There are English books available. Tahawiyah is in English. So uh, we'll try and get some of the copies if we can. uh, And then we can distribute or do whatever. We'll try and see if we can get some of those English copies. So everybody's got it in front of them as well, you can see what we're doing. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll carry on next week then. Uh, same time, 7 p.m. Until then, we'll conclude for now.